0: carrying comics, art books, international art magazines, graphic design, illustration, animation, music, and movie-related items. Floating World also publishes books, art newspapers, and comics. More information at floatingworldcomics.com.
1: X-Ray FM is proud to sponsor Sold Out Productions Presents The Beat Nuts, with rapper Big poo and Terminology. This 21 and over event goes down Saturday, January the 28th at Dante's. Also on the bill, Portland's own Libretto and DJ Wicked. For more information, check out the website www.xray.fm.
2: Welcome to The Magic Hour. My name is Jason Traeger. I am the co-host of this show. <laughs> the host is Anthony Alvarado. Hi there. Ladies and gentlemen, my friends, let's hear it for Anthony
0: Alvarado. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, good to be here. So this is kind of a behind-the-scenes. We're going to talk about the making of the show. And this episode, Jason Traeger's the guest. And after we recorded this episode I asked you to if you wanted to be the co-host and do you actually write out your jokes though like do you I do everything I write them I record yeah. them I but my writing is very much
2: like scribbles and then I will uh, in a little book and that I'm holding right now and uh, then I'll do like um, if I'm really so it's like one or two words with like It'll like, be, like, just scribbling. Just, just, yeah, almost, Taco uh, Bell. Almost as an exercise of remembering, you know. You just write it out. It's like a way of, you know, when you study things in school, they'll tell you to, you know, you read it, you you hear it, you write it. So you write out the whole thing, but it's scribbled. Yeah, do, like? but then I'll, I will type it out, too. I'll, yeah. I'll go on, like, Evernote and write out, like, a kind of... If I'm trying to really kind of get a tight thing down, uh-huh. um, you know, I might write it out. It's just all, different ways of just seeing it and, and recording it. And, yeah, but ultimately... Um, it comes out through a, a multiple multiple processes mm-hmm. writing mm-hmm.
0: speaking but mostly recording and listening to my recordings yeah i like you know because i i write and i find that the medium that i choose to kind of try out an idea really shifts how it how it blossoms how it blooms so if oh, i'm yeah. writing with a pencil or i'm writing on a on a, not a typewriter but a laptop yeah or I'm talking to myself while I take a walk. Yeah, it's all you can do. The same idea in, in different ways. And some ideas are going to resonate better with a long walk, and some ideas oh, yeah. are going to resonate better with you, like, you know, uh, just thinking about it in the yeah. shower. Yeah, you
2: know? so. yeah. If I was writing a, um, you know, a piece like a think piece or a, a some sort of commentary or something or a column, I would always want to be sitting at a desk with the laptop you know mm-hmm. but if I'm writing like a joke it's like yeah a little book with a pen in a coffee yeah. shop just scribbling yeah. out stuff that's you know it's definitely like that for sure for me too
0: I like working in coffee shops the The background noise really helps me it is nice yeah I just moved to kind of way out uh, in Cully from I was closer into downtown mm-hmm. and I just moved and it's It's a totally different... Like, I miss my old coffee shop. Mm -hmm. I used to go to the exact same coffee shop every day. Yeah. Like, I probably logged more hours there than a lot of the baristas. Yes. But I really felt at home there. And now my routines have been all Mm. scrambled, you know.
2: It's your second place. You know, people need second places.
0: Yeah. It makes living in a city nice. (laughs) It's hard hard to find that second place. Second place that you really like, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Somebody was telling me last night about this poet... Uh, in New York back in back in the day that Allen Ginsberg uh, I think it was somebody that started probably Ginsberg somebody that started with an L yeah that's, that's close to Ginsberg might have been Allen Lindsberg and he would write he had a like a refrigerator box that he would write in because he he wanted privacy from like his, out on the street or just it, in his it house is a, in his oh, house uh-huh. in his apartment like a little fort his little uh, one bedroom he would he would smoke cigarettes and go into this refrigerator Jesus. box and and I've been told by this person that I couldn't remember the name of this poet that he had a chamber pot that he kept in there because he he would go in there and he was like, don't disturb me in, in my so writing you're box.
2: you're saying Allen Ginsberg <laughs> used to shit yes. in a refrigerator box and chain smoke. That's awesome. I'm so that,
0: glad. That would inspire him because he, he'd probably be like, man, it smells so bad in here. I got to finish this poem. I got to get out of here.
2: <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> As a kid, I used to love when we'd get a refrigerator box. (laughs) Oh man,
0: they're the best thing. Building forts inside, like with blankets and chairs. Oh my god, it's so fun. Made a time machine out of one. Oh yeah. Um, An airplane. I wonder, you could probably do a business where you sold big refrigerator boxes for adults. Um, what were we talking about? We're talking about you. You're yeah. the topic of today's show. Right. Yeah. We seem to stray from wanna, that. Also, let's get, get yeah, back let's get to back the back topic. To that. Let's go back but to the. I, I also want to talk about the vision for this show. You know, okay. this show is still being born. We're still it's still gooey on the pottery wheel. It's being shaped, and we don't want to f- up if we f- up now. We could create monstrosity. Mm. Oh, we could this, be losing customers. Yeah. Plants. Right. Right now, like people are either walking away from from the uh, the, the taco well, uh, car or yes. they're like this is a good taco
2: I will just say this like going in here here's here's like my my feelings mm. uh, I feel like I have a certain skepticism that anything I do will ever be heard or seen <laughs> or paid attention to by literally anyone that's why doing stand-up comedy <laughs> is, is nice because yeah. I know how many people are looking at me at that given moment even if they're not paying attention uh-huh. like if I'm at Helium and there's 200 people. I got, I got 200 people right now.
0: Can you sense how, which, which, how many are paying attention to how many? Yeah, are usually pretty well. Taking their
2: phones. But, uh, But, but like, but anything like this, or if I was to put out a podcast or something, I just feel like I I go, because I look at the world and I'm like, there's just so much stuff. Yeah. And, but then I go, you know, let's say, you know, 30 people, 20 people, that's a good show for a comedy show. Yeah. And so, and and then also the other thing that's cool about podcasting and stuff that I, I have to always remember is like, you know, you're putting a thing out and somebody might be into something like, let's say we do this for a long time somebody's gonna look back on this episode right and be like oh this is the early years talking about this yeah that like you know this, um,
0: this is yeah this is where they got the idea to do, do this segment and they kind of like start milking it or or like look how different this show looks it, it's kind of like you look at um even like old um muppets or comic cartoons mickey mouse and stuff everything has its kind of like proto version where it looks like totally different and weird yeah it looks like yeah, and then it becomes the thing that it is. I'm just kidding.
2: Actually, I love the super old cartoons. They're yeah. amazing looking. They're like my favorite. But yeah,
0: I know what you mean. Steamboat yeah, Willie. It has. To, I mean, everything runs in an arc. What What would you like to see happen with the show? Like, if if you could kind of see it going in any particular direction or places, are, are there things that you think would be cool to to look at? Guests that you think would be fun to talk to, or um. Because Well, I'm interested in psychedelics, Mm -hmm. you know. I mean, that
2: is a big one for me. Subjects and uh, influences on the culture that are maybe big, but that don't necessarily get the press or the attention. And I feel like psychedelics, honestly, are are probably the biggest thing like that. Yeah. Where mainstream culture doesn't give a lot of attention to them at all. And, you know, if you could count how many times you hear a news story about... uh, tryptamine, hallucinogens, DMT, uh, psilocybin research that's been going on, um, you hardly ever hear about it in right. mainstream media. I mean, more now than you have in the right. past and way less hysterical than ever before. Right. But um, it's, and I think that like the arts, science, computers, all these fields are have been so influenced by, created through, um, are so just intertwined with mm-hmm. psychedelics that it's like an almost an unreported story or even like the millennial kind of approach to psychedelics. Like how, like if I mentioned DMT at a comedy show to a bunch of millennials, they all are going to be like, yeah, we know what that is. We know basically what, you know, ayahuasca is, what uh smokable DMT is and, you know, and the level of literacy in the internet age with, uh, you know, Arrowhead and things like that. It's just a different era for that. And I think that really holds, um, I don't know interesting possibilities for the future, and mm-hmm. and certainly right now looking at the situation in the world, I'm just like, oh my God! There has to be, we have to be using everything <laughs> at our disposal at our disposal, and certainly psychedelic to just get get creative uh-huh. and come up with interesting solutions to like our mental problems, and uh, spiritual problems, and physical problems, and I yes. just go like to deny or to not uh, have psychedelics sort of be in the mix is just uh, I consider that lunacy and madness. Yeah. Because well, I, I think they're one of the most powerful substances I, in the world for I a agree, human.
0: I agree with you, and I also think that there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that I guess traditionally just gets kind of pushed into the new age bag, you know that um, that pertains to to what you're talking about this idea of like um, expanding human. Uh, Consciousness and, and growth as as a civilization, as a society, like ways of approaching that, and and you know that's stuff like, um, like you know meditation and yoga and talking about, um, you know, it, it, it's all part of a continuum. It's in that. And, it's in that yeah, neighborhood. But the yeah. thing,
2: the thing for me, like I am very much like uh, Terence McKenna mm-hmm. in the sense that I am super interested in psychedelics. Yet I'm a total uh, Rationalist type person when it comes to you know I don't believe in any magic I mean I believe in magic like on the deepest level but the magic that really works you know Uh which is like I don't know perception expression psychedelics these types of things but like you know I I see stuff like fortune telling and all this Mm -hmm. kind of or or new age crystals and stuff it's like very much to me in the realm of religion I go yeah it's 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 a part of our world it's part of life and it brings comfort to people and it. Probably deludes people and hurts people in some way too, maybe I don't know, but it's just not what I'm interested in mm-hmm. you know i'm like I'm as interested in like crystal power as I am in say like.
0: The power of the Catholic Church, or well, uh, yeah, yeah, you can, or you can be um, scully to my molder a little bit, then, yeah, I, and I think yeah, that's just where
2: I come from. But then, yeah. but then I'm like the most far out dude in the world because I basically am like, I don't even know that this is even exists or that it's happening. It's you know, it's like, what is consciousness? All right, you'll be Mulder. The only thing stranger than DMT is waking reality, is just <laughs> this you know, we pretend that we know what's going on, we don't know, this is everything is, I have
0: no clue what what, what reality really is, yeah, and sometimes that idea kind of sneaks up on you it's easy to lose track of but that just like what the what is is what are we here what what is reality what is like every once in a while I feel like especially late at night I'm getting sleepy I'm gonna I'm gonna go to bed and then I'll have this kind of moment where I'm like what is what is all this? And it really hits you sometimes.
2: Oh yeah. Well, I spend a lot of time by myself and as a comic, I spend a lot of time talking to myself Mm -hmm. and having conversations much like we're having now, but by myself. (laughs) And, and, you know, there's often a time in, in those conversations where you go like, wait a sec, who's talking to who right now? (laughs) You know, and like, what is this conversation? And, stop suddenly and listen to just the nothing and then be like, whoa, what the hell's going on? <laughs> like or especially on long drives where you realize like, Whoa, wait a sec, oh, this man. is this is the total reality that's happening right now is me the, sitting in this car talking to myself.
0: The last time I drove to San Francisco I, I thought I was gonna go crazy. Was just the, by myself just yeah. driving, just like I I just it's just a too long of enforced solo to mm-hmm. I kinda lost it a little bit yeah. by the end.
2: Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, we're interesting creatures and it's pretty interesting how we create a sort of social life in our own heads when we need to. And I certainly have some pretty awesome conversations with myself. <laughs> they're not bad, they're pretty fun.
0: The Magic Owl. The Magic Owl. The Magic Owl. I'm really excited to be here today with Jason Traeger, the Portland comedian, and uh, to talk about your story and your career and what has brought you to where you are now with your comedy. Um, Thanks a bunch for showing up in the studio today. It's my pleasure.
2: Thanks for having me and it's great to be here.
0: So you were recently named one of Portland's five funniest Comics by Willamette Week magazine. That's right. Um, Do you feel like you're in the zone right now? Are you in a good spot comically?
2: I do. I mean, I've been doing it about four years, going on four years in Portland. I guess it's like three and a half at this point. And Uh yeah, it feels like pretty awesome to be at that place where, you know, I'm working at Helium. I'm, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah, that that, that definitely was a nice feather in my cap. Felt good. It was very validating.
0: Yeah, it it, it was a great interview. And, um, did, did you, do you feel like there's been an evolution to your comedy? Like you've been doing it for a few years. Do you feel like uh, you've kind of learned a thing or two along the way? And
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, comedy is amazing. It's a great way to, um, it's it just in terms of it's the flow of it, that it's this sort of day in, day out practice. And mm-hmm. uh, I find yeah that it's evolving at all times and i mean maybe i don't know if it slows down or speeds up at any point but i definitely feel like the first four years are very formative Mm -hmm. kind of went back in i did it for a few years in the early 2000s but never really seriously or not really having enough i didn't have enough uh, opportunities to get on stage then i lived in olympia washington and Mm -hmm. it was difficult to get on to open mics and things in seattle and whatnot so i didn't i never felt like i really um went whole hog into it then, but now in Portland, you know, you can get on stage so often. And I feel like when I first got into it, I was like, here, I was, I just said, okay, I'm going to treat this like a four-year college plan. You know, <laughs> the first four years, you don't even have to worry about being good. You don't have to worry about accomplishing anything. Just try and learn something about it yeah. and, uh, get a feel for what it is to do it seriously. And, uh, so I feel like, yeah, approaching my four years, it's pretty awesome. I feel like I've gotten good grades. You're gonna get go for that doctorate yep. in comedy. Yeah. And then you know, <laughs> you go on to, But it's just it's more it's more the thing of just setting my my mind like to not really worry about um outcomes and really focus on yeah. the process of it and make yeah. that really what I pay attention to is if I'm
0: And the Portland scene seems it. really a great place to be right now. I've kind of watched it as a just as you know somebody keeping their ear to the ground a little bit you know I don't go to comedy all the time but I've been like wow there's so much great comedy happening it's true what's going on is it it just a weird nexus of
2: yeah it just seems like it's a good time and a place for for comedy it's I mean stand-up is for a city this size Mm -hmm. there's tons of stuff going on and you know, it, Portland up till now maybe uh, was a city that you could come to and live very inexpensively <laughs> and uh, right. practice your craft and and uh, get a lot of stage time. So it, you know, it was a kind of place where a lot of people would move from, say, the Midwest instead of moving straight to LA. They want to yeah. try their hand in a bigger city or a West Coast city. So Portland would be a good place for people to come to. I mean, Curtis Cook came here for that reason. He's fantastic and going on to great things. I'm sure. Um, a lot of different people he's just one that popped into my mind but uh, you know maybe that'll change as portland becomes more expensive but
0: but Is- uh, i think it's been a very sweet time does it does that mean that like Portland sort of like a stage that you come to on the way to like going to L A? Oh, for is sure. Yeah. Kind if, of if you of the... were
2: from, if you were kind of um, a young comic uh, in the Midwest who was you know interested in maybe eventually landing in New York or L A, mm-hmm. uh, Portland would be a great place. It's a great place to go, and uh, you know, the fact that you can get on stage. 10 15 maybe more times a week not knowing anyone just signing up for open mics yeah that's a lot of stage
0: time for a city and it's very easy here as opposed to what do you feel what do you feel like the portland kind of audience is like as far as vibe for a comedian well they're Mm -hmm. very good they're portland
2: people and so there's a lot of people that know comedy and Mm -hmm. you know are very aficionados and there's and in general portland's you know not a very uh, inhospitable city. Yeah. It's pretty gentle in general yeah. as the cities go. Um, so and the, and the audiences, I think, are that way. So, you know, it gives people a chance to stretch out without necessarily feeling um, um, held back in any way.
0: Yeah. Have you taken, have you tried doing comedy like in L.A. or mm-hmm. other places and yeah. does it have a different... Oh, Brian yeah, every or, city's different. I mean, yeah. of course,
2: L.A. is a very unique place, and, and it's what comedy means there. It might be different than other places, I'm sure. Um, but, yeah, I, I try to get out. That's actually what this year's about. Mm-hmm. I sort of see that as my final semester uh, <laughs> semester rag- abroad graduation project is to really <laughs> spend uh, this year getting out of town, because that hasn't been a big priority for me. I've done some trips to L.A. I've done some trips to the Bay Area, yeah. Seattle, regional shows. But um, I haven't done much comedy outside of the, well, not off the West Coast. I haven't done any um, during these four years. So I'm going to make a point to get out, apply to festivals and things like Mm -hmm. that. More this year. And uh, yeah, definitely head to California. I'm actually going to be going to Vietnam Whoa. in uh, March and, wow. and Los Angeles. And in Vietnam, awesome. I'm going to do two shows. That's crazy. Which is great. What's that about? Um, I've just never been there. I have a friend that lives there. I have two friends that live there. And mm-hmm. one is a stand up comic, Devin Monaghan, who's from Portland. And he's lived there for a couple of years. And he's going to get me a couple of shows over there. Mm-hmm. So that'll be talking about getting into a different zone. Yeah. But uh, I guess there's like an expat, kind of British Australian scene there. So looking forward to that. And Los Angeles, of course, and Bay Area. I'm going to hit that in March or April rather. And yeah, that's what this year is going to be about, a lot about.
0: And when you, when you started doing comedy kind of more seriously about, was it four years ago, was it a moment where you're like, you know what, I think I'm going to just go for comedy and try this. Or did it kind of like you accidentally found yourself on stage and you, and it kind of
2: no it wasn't like it was very much uh i had it's like a change um uh, i do a lot of different kinds of art and mm-hmm. throughout my life i have and played music and done a lot of visual art and painting and sculpting mm-hmm. and i've worked with uh art the art collective organ painting society we did um, performance and kind of uh what do you call it like installation type stuff uh, about four or five years ago we were, it was our heyday and um after that kind of phase, I reached like an impasse with that where I was kind of very frustrated with like, oh, mm. I don't know how the art world works and I'm not selling paintings, I'm producing too many and I'm not selling them. <laughs> and, yeah, and it costs a lot of money to operate a painting studio. Yeah. Um, and so I just reached this point where I was, there was too much anxiety and um, I just couldn't afford it, honestly. Uh-huh. And I didn't, I don't know, it was just a time of life where I, I needed to put set it aside and take the pressure off myself. So I closed up my studio, put everything in storage. And, and then as soon as I did that, I... I don't know what exactly, I don't remember a turning point, but at some point I was just like, I don't want to do stand up again. This would be a good time uh, to do it. Yeah. And, uh, cause you know, I had to, like I said, I had those two or three years in the early 2000s where I had done it and, but never again, never ha- had the chance to really explore it and mm-hmm. get into it seriously. Um, like you had dabbled in it. Yeah. I was kind yeah. of dabbling and not really real, not really doing what needs to be done to actually do it, which is right. you know, doing it a lot. Yeah. And in front of people. It's kind of the trick to getting good at anything. It is. You know, I used to hold out hope that you could somehow avoid that.
0: (laughs) I've since
2: uh, submitted to the idea that you actually have to put in endless amounts of time before you get
0: even slightly good at stuff. But um, (laughs) I did that with writing for years. I was like, I'm a writer, I'm just going to wait until uh, a book happens on its own. Yeah,
2: it's a nice idea. <laughs> so I just reached an impasse, and I've, those, and I always am expressing myself in some way. It's just it's just yeah. nature. I can't really avoid it, and uh, I don't want to avoid it. And so I just started. I I went to an open mic at the Boiler Room and just walked in. Ah, uh, the Boiler it out. Room. Yeah, I don't remember what how I found out about it, but I I went and I just started going. And from that day forward, it was just pretty much on you know four or five yeah. nights a week until today four or five nights a week that's crazy oh, that's
0: yeah. that's a grueling schedule does it tire you or does it give you energy it gives me energy definitely
2: I like it it's social it's fun mm. um you know I don't do as many open mics as I used to because I have a lot of shows now which is really nice it's amazing yeah
0: yeah well I, I was researching um kind of getting ready for this interview and I was you know reading a a, whatever I could find about you on the Internet. And one of the things that came up was an interview that you did with Ian McKay of Fugazi in, like, 1994. Mm-hmm. And so I was reading this interview, and it's crazy because, uh, like, all these people are walking up. You know, you. I think you've probably just got, like, a tape recorder. Uh-huh. People are walking up and in, interrupting the interview, uh, and it's like, uh, you know, wait, we, we had to stop because Nikki McClure just mm-hmm. walked up. Oh, hold on, I got to pause the tape because Beck just walked up. Yep. Like, what that just sounds like a, an amazing, crazy scene where you have all these people just like crashing at this house? Or? I was like,
2: that was actually, I lived in Olympia, uh-huh. in Washington between like 92 and, um, off and on between 92 and 2000. Um, and... I lived with Calvin Johnson from K Records okay. for a part of that time and that would have been that time of that particular interview was a Yo-Yo-A-Go-Go festival which mm-hmm. was a series of they like three or four of them in Olympia Music Festival um, that happened in Olympia each year um, that weekend was yeah, a Yo-Yo-A-Go-Go, and Beck was in town performing. That was before he, uh, I think right around the time A Loser came out, so he mm-hmm. he wasn't super well-known, but he was he was a name that was coming up, and he was performing at the festival, and Ian MacKay was actually in town uh, just to watch the fest. Uh-huh. And he's somebody that I had known since, uh, I was probably 16 or something, 17 when I met him, uh, and I had corresponded with him prior to that, so I had known him since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And he was in town, so I was like thinking of doing this fanzine. So I interviewed him, and I yeah. interviewed back too. I should have never transcribed that interview. <laughs>
0: you totally should. But
2: yeah, I thought the Ian one was—I was very pleased with. That's why I put it online because uh, I, after translating it or not translating, transcribing, <laughs> I was like, this is a really unique Ian interview because uh-huh. you know, he's one of those dudes who's interviewed so much. and If, right. if you watch, you know, look on YouTube. There's so many different interviews with them and you know. You you'll sort of like a comic you'll catch him sort of saying the same stories you know, right. repeatedly which are great stories they're, they're, you asked they're, him
0: some weird questions though. yeah I asked him some weird questions I wanted to ask you a couple of the questions that you asked him uh-huh. uh, sure. for this interview okay so uh, do you do you ever have dreams that seem to have a power or meaning beyond the average dream
2: oh yeah all the time yeah. Well, not all the time so much today, but I have many, many times in my life. My life has been greatly informed by dream experiences for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you, So you're somebody that you wake up, you tend to remember your dreams and you can reflect Yeah, again, not
2: that. so much in this era of my life, but there were periods in my life when dreams were just a huge part, a, Yeah, big, yeah. big, big experience. They were going on a lot um feel like I'm very inarticulate today
0: well it's interesting how uh, dreams are hard to talk about you know because uh, they're blurry weird they have
2: this well that was the thing about this a lot of the dreams that I was having in my 20s and 30s were that they weren't blurry and uh, indistinct kind of things. they were often the kind of dreams that I'd wake up from you know Sort of like in tears, or wow. just you know, from like the power of them, not from them being sad. Uh-huh. And you know, things arrive, or, or dreams, um, lucid dreams, yeah, dreams yeah, where you become conscious. Can in the you dream lucid and, dream on purpose? I have before, yeah. I used to be. Um, I used to practice what Stephen. I think his name is Stephen Leburge. He's a right. He wrote
0: that book, uh, Exploring
2: the World of Lucid Dreaming. Right. Yeah, yeah. I've read that. I practiced a lot of the. It was a very good book. It's. A, I love that book because it's. There it has very practical
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, methods for mm-hmm. inducing them, and they actually do work. And and I I managed to to achieve those a number of times on purpose, but the ones that I were often the most powerful were the ones that have them spontaneously. Right. And then there were dreams that, are, which I, that I sort of just named in my own uh, lingo power dreams. Uh-huh. And they weren't necessarily lucid in the sense that I'm self-directed and I know what I'm doing, but rather they had that same quality of... Like it uh, has
0: a uh, meaning. Yeah.
2: yeah. And the actual experience of them was in, are incredibly vivid and mm-hmm. almost more real than waking life because you're paying such a mm-hmm. you know, close attention to the world around you. And those dreams often had have, have a... Had a spiritual component Mm -hmm. to them that was overwhelming. These, or just the absolute beauty of the places, the environments that I was in, uh, were just kind of you wake up and you're just like this. That was heaven. I went to heaven.
0: (laughs) Well, I I feel like I remember reading somewhere that in uh, a more uh, primitive culture, when you'd have that kind of dream, that's when you'd share it with the uh, the tribe or the you know the seer or the shaman of the tribe would have to interpret that dream. Like most dreams, uh, are often recognized uh, traditionally as being like yeah, they're just dreams. Is you know it's not sure. really a, an important thing. But then there's these kind of power yeah. dreams that have to be yeah. They um, don't
2: seem to just be you know a reflection of your daily events. They seem to be much more. A vi- visit to a yeah to, to another somewhere. dimension,
0: another place, and
2: or some very deep part of si- the psyche. Yeah, the or,
0: some Jungian well of uh, yeah, the just, unconscious or something.
2: Just such such beauty, and and those are the kinds of things that just talking about them now, I have flashes of all these <laughs> different dreams dream that I'm thinking packs. of. Yeah,
0: exactly. Do you have one in particular that maybe impacted you? And and have you ever had a dream like that where you're like, oh my gosh, I need to drive to california or something like you actually like it inspired you to do
2: something not not particularly Mm -hmm. not like that necessarily that that made me think i need to change some actual circumstance or something but more just dreams that give me a sense of awe about life and and that they've all informed me uh, my thinking in the sense that i in the light of those dreams i just keep such an open mind about the nature of reality you know like what is this what's going on I don't know and I think about them so much that they are a big part of yeah my sense of I don't know wonder about life
0: yeah that's something that I really appreciate about your comedy is that you often uh, will go into talking about what is the nature of reality or some kind of metaphysical um, weirdness that I think I I don't see that in in a A lot of comedians so the times that and i've watched you do your comedy i'm like wow this guy's doing some weird like he's getting some weird dream power stuff going on in this in this i don't know it's just who i am it's it's
2: not it's not a conscious thing it's just it's just (laughs) like that's how i think on a day-to-day basis i mean i'm always (laughs) blown away by reality and i don't take for granted like what we're experiencing i'm always uh yeah. It's, it's so fascinating to me. And, and yeah, and I feel like, you know, there, the stage mind, I feel like is a heightened uh uh-huh. place. It's a heightened sense, sense of sensibility that I sort of feel, um, reality is not always, but you know, often if you pay attention to what you're doing and you kind of think about it a certain way, it's very strange standing on stage, mm-hmm. talking to people and you can very easily feel pretty psychedelic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a it's a trippy thing whether it's music or or uh, doing a stand up. But um, as far as psychedelic, like so, you don't you don't drink, right? That's no. and uh, was that a choice that you made at a certain time? Yeah, like, yeah. Actually, it's related to my comeback to comedy.
2: I, oh, I, wow. I'd quit drinking about maybe six months before I started doing stand up again. Interesting. And yeah maybe even maybe a year but but it definitely I feel like the two were related because i think um you know drinking for me it was definitely something that was a big part of my life for many many years mm-hmm. and not all sometimes good but m- oftentimes not and <laughs> and i just didn't it was never something that i could um, i wasn 't good at controlling the amount yeah. of that I drink you know I just mm-hmm. find that I would drink too much and too often, and you know i 've always had different kinds of psychological issues that that would be exacerbated by drinking
0: yeah and so i 'm really good at controlling how much I drink until the after the second beer <laughs> <laughs> yep that 's about it
2: <laughs> and so I think that when i when I decided to stop drinking i I just really it just was so clear to me that that was a key thing that i hadn 't fully. Appreciated like how what what a big deal it was for me to just take that off the menu and be like that's not something I'm going to do. Do you remember the last drink you had? You well, remember? I do remember actually because I had a huge gulp of uh, margarita mix on uh, <laughs> on Halloween by accident. So I remember that. <laughs> just the mix? Well, With... it was like a Tropicana <laughs> thing full of what I thought was orange juice, but it was oh, like no. a, it was like a margarita mix. So yeah. I took a huge gulp of very strong tequila. <laughs> so that was that was technically the last drink, but that was not
0: on purpose. Okay, right, but. And, but do you remember, like, the moment no, when you... No, it wasn't.
2: You... No, I don't really remember that. I just reached some point of frustration where I was like, this just isn't... You know, there's just some certain points in life where you just sort of look at the reality and you go, I could pretend that this is cool and that this is going to work and I could yeah. see a life happening and personal growth. Involving drinking all the time. <laughs> yeah, it just, I just saw, like, I, I can only <laughs> do... It's not going to work for me. I just saw that yeah. very clearly. And, yeah, And once that was... Uh, I don't know... I, I'm lucky in some respect because I swear once that stopped, I've never um, had a huge hankering for it. I've never had right. some great longing for it. I, I don't even occasionally I'll think, you know, oh, would it, would it hurt, you know, if I drank something? Then I'm just like think about it right like if it was on the menu would you go home some night and be like oh, I'm just gonna have a little warm up and then pretty soon it's like you're drinking every night and right. you know having a little nip here and driving a little buzzed and I was just like no just, just take it off the thing and then you don't have to worry about any of it and I don't have to sit there thinking about it at all about, uh-huh. you know, should I drink or should I cut myself off Or just I mean not- is
0: that tough like you're, you're going to clubs all the time doing stand up and everybody around like I think Uh, that tends to be a very, like, drinky kind of atmosphere. Oh, it is for
2: many people, but Mm -hmm. for me, I I find that it's the reason I can do comedy so much because I'm not drinking every you got more energy. And and I don't spend money on it. I'm not wasting, uh, you know, I'm not feeling hungover. I'm not trying to figure out how to get home. I'm not, you know... (laughs) I just cuz I know I know myself I would be you know three beers would be four <laughs> beers and then right. like whoa I just spent 16 bucks and I now I have to take a cab home and uh-huh. you know that would change the dynamic of going to an open mic for me completely. Yeah and As doing that 5, five being, nights a week would suck. Of course. Yeah and same with drink with like going to shows I just I'm just like I don't have to worry about social embarrassment, I don't have to worry about <laughs> getting in a DUI, I don't have to worry right. about any of that stuff. And so, you know, that's the thing whenever I do think to myself, like, oh, I could just have a drink. I, I just go it's just not even worth it. I have always worked jobs that allow me to live, you yeah, know, subsistence kind of things and things that were in the, the community of creativity that I was working in. And, you know, occasionally make money with art, occasionally not. But mm-hmm. most most of the time, you know, it's an financially would augment whatever I was doing. Yeah. And and that has its benefits and detriment, you know, to, mm-hmm. to not like really make a lot of money doing your creative thing. I mean, part of what it does allow you to do is switch it up whenever you feel like it and yeah. do the thing that you want to do and focus on it and not feel beholden to produce a product line or, right. or you know, keep fulfilling...
0: Uh, the marketplace's expectations do you do you feel like that was ever like like a temptation that you could have like oh, you know sure. I could cash in
2: here I don't here. know about the
0: temptation or, I don't know that I or ever had a choice felt, like felt the like I could. the devil the man was like hey man No, I never had the man <laughs> tapping at my door too
2: often uh it just no not so much We it, want you to make some like sh- thing that we can sell a ton of There were definitely times where I aspired to do not so much sh- thing but just <laughs> to make things that would sell for sure Right But for the most part you know looking back I I think yeah, you know, there's something pretty awesome about having really followed my idiosyncratic mm-hmm. vision mm-hmm. whenever, whatever moved me. And so, you, you know, and, and I'm looking back, I feel, well, I kind of feel like now I was actually just thinking about this on the way over. I was thinking mm-hmm. about how I feel like right now is one of those times where I'm really sort of going through looking at all the different things that I kind of have um, at my disposal in terms of skill sets or whatever, mm-hmm. and trying to think of how they're going to be, that now is a good time to actually put those things into, um, practice and combine it all into this one thing under this yeah. roof of like the comedy.
1: Yeah. Working on you now. I don't
2: really, this is going to be the umbrella under which you'll sort of see all these things become manifest. And lately I've been doing like on stage, for instance, doing stuff with loop pedals and mm, a guitar. Really? Here and there. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Just at the beginning of the year, I started yeah. doing that and, and it's really v- sort of almost like going through, um, I don't know, like a, a box of art supplies and being like, okay, let's put this, in. we got all this stuff, let's start putting it into, yeah. uh, into into, the act and it's very pleasing. It's a whole new color kind of in the oh, thing. That's cool.
0: You're listening to KXRY Portland at 107.1 and 91.1 and streaming online
1: everywhere at xray.fm. Let's return now to the Magic Hour.
0: I have to check out one of, I've seen you do stand-up a handful of times, so I haven't seen with the loop. Pedals. Oh, that's, yeah, it's brand new. I've only done it like four or five times. hmm So that's gonna be exciting um so let's talk about when did you come to portland first uh Uh, 20
2: no 2004 i think is when i was here 2003 or four
0: um and that's about when you started doing the oregon painting society that came later that was more like
2: 2007 Uh is when that started i went to pacific northwest college of art Mm -hmm. i'd never gone to college i dropped out of high school when i was like 16 and to tour with punk bands mm-hmm. and hadn't set foot in a classroom for all those years. And then I was at a point where I think it was sort of post-comedy. I did really didn't know what I wanted to do and mm-hmm. what, what, you know, I just felt sort of uh, at loose ends. And I had friends in Portland and I liked Portland and I'm from the Northwest. I lived in Seattle, Olympia. Where did you grow up as a kid? Well, all over the West Coast, but I was born and raised in Seattle, okay. Tacoma area. And then I... We moved to, like I said, my mom and I moved to Southern California when I was 13 or 14, and then Bay Area, so the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm a Northwest kid. And so, yeah, so Portland's always been, and I have a lot of family in this area in the, Will- the Willamette Valley just south of here, so it's very
0: much one of my home cities. So you came to Portland, and you were studying painting. i going to go to school and just uh-huh. try
2: this. I've never I just thought, okay, this might be cool. And it was it was really good. I I had a good experience. I mean, looking back I'm like, what was I thinking? It's a crazy thing to do, (laughs) like spend all that money and
0: I don't know. Like uh
2: I met amazing people and then that's what led to the organ painting society, the group. Those were people I met there. Um and Birch and Brenner are now in a group called Mesher that's doing great things in the art world and Barbara Uh is doing amazing work as a sculptor and Mm -hmm. Matt Carlson is another member of the group who is a, a one of the most talented musicians I've ever known. So we're all off doing. Do you other guys things. still
0: play as Organ Painting Society?
2: No. Or? no. I mean, it could always happen someday. Mm-hmm. But but right Everybody's now we're all just pursuing thing. our things. That's but great. I look forward to working with them someday on some project. I'm sure they're all so amazing and talented.
0: How did how did that group uh, come together? And for, for listeners that that maybe aren't familiar with Organ Painting Society, I remember seeing you guys play uh, back in the day at. I forget where, but it was a crazy experience. You know, there's, there's people wearing costumes, mm-hmm. there's live music, there's like a set, you know, with, and it's just a whole bunch of different elements. And it kind of, you know, it, it was a did very, did you come to the Disjecta Biennial, the two, um, Portland
2: 2012?
0: I, I might've. The building I, on the bridge.
2: Yeah, that's the kind of things we do. We did. I mean, you can look it up. Organ painting. Society. It, it feels
0: like you've walked. Like, I I can't remember which performances that that I've seen. I think there was a few of them, um, and I, it felt like walking into like a David Lynch, yeah, Black Lodge kind of moment. Like I'm like, what the hell's going on? Like, is this music? Is this what is you know and. It's, uh, a, it's a trip yeah
2: <laughs> yeah you, uh, it's hard to describe you gotta check it out online yeah. Oregon painting society we did a lot of stuff and it was yeah it was a great very fruitful collaborative mm-hmm. project And so how did it come about just a combination of people mm-hmm. um, I met Birch I mean I met Barbara and Brenna at, at PNCA mm-hmm. and they're both awesome and became good friends of mine uh, Barbara was one of my best friends through the, the school era and then when school ended and when we graduated we just we those were the people i hung out with and then Matt and Birch were their Barbara and Brenna's boyfriends and we i became friends with them mm-hmm.
0: it was just a combo that really worked well and so you guys got together and you're like let's make music and we're going to do all this other stuff, too? Yeah, was I mean, the... it wasn't even a plan. It was just that's what each person brought to the table, some
2: element. Birch is, like, really great with electronics. Uh-huh. Matt's a master musician. Bren a visual genius, and Barbara and I are whatever we are. <laughs> I feel uh, like I saw you play a broom or oh, something. Oh, yeah, we had electric, we had electric brooms. <laughs> yeah. We had Yes. Yeah, we made everything into that's synthesizers. Right. Yeah, it was, a, it was an all-around, you know, installations, music, music.
0: Con- uh, and did you guys play at a McDonald's or we something? played at a Burgerville. Burgerville. We were the first band to play at a Burgerville. <laughs> did you get the permission from the manager? Yeah, they, asked, they invited us to. <laughs> That's amazing. Said it was folk music. It was a, that was a very, <laughs> very <music>. weird performance. <laughs> uh, well, I, yeah, I feel like that was kind of a different era for Portland musically. You know, I, like I would just, I remember going to shows and seeing you guys and other stuff mm-hmm. from that era and, um, kind of I, I don't know if that's if that kind of experimental really out there kind of stuff flourishes as much because I I feel like a lot of those shows were happening like in basements yeah. and you just kind of oh you would see a flyer and you'd go to some show yeah there's and, still there's still that it's, I don't know that there's as much as there was then so like how's the the energy or spirit of like the the comedy scene compared to like, uh, the music scene from a decade ago or, or the, uh, you know, the punk scene, like, are, are there, what are the, are there similarities that, that are, uh, apparent or is it a totally different ball of wax? Well, it's I like think when you were question, when I was talking
2: but... earlier about like the different, like the similarities between like the hardcore scene or something that I was yeah. in as, as a kid and comedy, it's very similar. You know, they're all, they're different, but the fact that like they are, Collections of individuals creating a sort of dialogue, a community, you know, mm-hmm. where they're all looking at each other and and uh, listening. Because you know that's the thing with comedy is you're you're out with a group of people and at, at any given time in Portland. There might be some, I don't know thirty people uh-huh. who so are you're like, going
0: to see all over the yeah, place who are like pretty seriously. Uh, and do you feel like you comedy? influence each other? Like if you somebody's to, you just do somebody's jokes are kind of like going a certain direction. Do you say oh I I like the way they're doing that. I'm going to kind of Like, learn some style from that, or...
2: Well, yeah, with comedy, you know, you don't have to, like, necessarily... To be influenced by somebody, you don't necessarily have to, you know, see them do something and go, Mm -hmm. I want to do something like that. It's more just that you're looking at everybody and analyzing everybody all the time. Right. And... It could be the most subtle thing. Like, I like how that person stands, you know, uh-huh. I mean, or like, I don't like that, that, the way that person approaches that or whatever. Uh-huh. And then, and those things you're making those kinds of observations all the time. And and essentially always, when you make an observation like that, you think of your own yeah. thing that you do in terms of Do you of think
0: that. about that consciously? Like, I'm like the way to stand or the way to, you know, you think about it, everything. Enunciate. Yeah. I mean, with comedy, you know, it is so
2: stripped down. It's so yeah. simple. In terms of the structure of the, uh,
0: the apparatus, there's of just it. you and the mic and the yeah, crowd. Yeah, you have yeah. to.
2: I mean, I feel like you kind of have to consider every aspect of what you do. I don't mean, you know, that you need to study like where you put your feet, but, <laughs> but just, you know, how you
0: breathe, how you stand. Really?
2: What, what you, oh, wow. yeah.
0: For me, I mean, again, Man,
2: that's, that's just my I, experience. I
0: was totally uh sucking it up at that that uh, open mic then because I, I wasn't thinking about that stuff. Well, yeah, you, <laughs> well, you wouldn't. Doing your first open mic, you're not going to think about anything.
2: I'm talking, about, like, if you do it five nights a week for four years, you're going you're gonna gonna to have course, time to... You will probably think about, yeah, most most angles. And do, do you
0: have, like, you have nights, obviously, where you feel like you're on and you're killing it and nights where you, you feel... Off pace or whatever, and, sure. and that could be the same material. Oh yeah, like always. it's so interesting. That's uh, one of the
2: funnest things about it to me mm-hmm. is that it's it's it happens in the moment and mm-hmm. it's what it is and it's not. Uh, there's so much of it's out of your control. The stuff that's in your control is you know, and and it's you know, it's where you're at at that moment, the audience you know whatever wherever they're feeling the vibe yeah. in the room. It's a live thing. It's a live thing, and you know that's why I'm saying you have to really embrace the process and and enjoy just the day in and day out process of it because yeah you don't want to attach too much to doing well or to doing poorly it's just kind of Mm. what it is that's that's the best you could do at that moment Mm -hmm. and then you get to consider you know afterwards what was what about that didn't feel right or what Mm -hmm. about that did feel right and so you're you know constantly analyzing and putting then i I try and immediately put it behind me whatever i just
0: did yeah it's like Uh, this seems like a good attitude to have Towards towards it, Wh- who are some of your influences? Who are comics that you are that you look up to, that inspire you, or um, especially in the Portland scene that people listening can go check out?
2: Oh man, in Portland, there's just so many who I love. I mean, all the names that you'd expect, you know, Amy Miller, Sean Jordan. Um, I mean, Ian and Ron were. I loved both of them when they were working here. Mm-hmm. Ian Carmel, Ron
0: Funches. Yeah, yeah. Now they went down to. Yeah, they're both in LA
2: doing great things. That's great. And um, I mean, I could name. It's, I could name so many names Yeah, I, I mean there's incredible comics everywhere. Well, okay, Gamebanger. let me, let me but, ask but I mean, that in bigger, in bigger yeah. terms like of the comedy world when you, when you ask just as you were asking the question the three names popped into my uh-huh. mind so I'm going to say those three uh, Maria Bamford who I just saw the other okay. night has always been one of my very favorites She she's like you know somebody I put in the highest yeah. esteem holder in the highest esteem um, TJ Miller is somebody I really appreciate Rory Scovel I got to see four shows of his uh, at the end of not this December, but the December before last that were very influential on me seeing. Because, you know, in comedy, um, you're. I find that when you're developing, you're looking at other comics. And when you find people that do something that you go, okay, I see a kinship, you know, mm-hmm. between what they're doing and what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is that you're going to love all kinds of comics with different styles. And, you know, there's. It, I might see one comic who I just absolutely love who's doing material that they do word for word almost every night, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like a perfectly written joke. And they just sort of say that joke the same way every night. And that's amazing. And that might not be like what I do. And that's not necessarily my style, Mm -hmm. but I'm, doesn't take away anything from appreciating what they're doing. But then when you see somebody who does something that's kind of like Rory Scovel, where I go, Oh, that's kind of more what I'm thinking about. Like that kind of loose, you know, he might do a joke one night and it's just a, you know, he does one eighth of it then the next night he does the full thing and then the, you know drops something in the middle picks something else up TJ Miller you watch him flow with the crowd and it's uh that's the kind of thing I find really inspiring cuz I cuz it reminded me like when I saw them it was, it opened up that it reminded me of like you can do this you can open it yeah. up any way you
0: want do you ever get to the point where you feel like a bit is is um is finished where it's like that's the best that I'll ever do that joke and then you know, like I'm, I'm going to try to do it that way or maybe you retire yeah. it or something at I mean, that point.
2: I've occasionally I've written a thing and worked on a thing towards an end like a mm-hmm. contest or something. Mm-hmm. Like Portland's Funniest Person contest. And so I'll work out like a thing where every joke and every tag is, is rehearsed and I want to have it be perfect five What's minutes. What's a tag? Oh, it's like uh, an, a little extra joke. Like you got maybe the main the
0: main body of the term. yeah
2: but then you add on a couple little phrases or something uh-huh. or other examples you might throw on yeah um, more jokes more laughs and <laughs> but that doesn't tend to be but even then I'll I'll come with comedy it's different than say writing a song where uh, the song might have you know verse chorus verse sure. intro outro um, and you play it basically the same way every time uh huh with comedy it's there they can always be dismantled and taken apart and so there might be something i worked on you know a couple of years ago that was a solid five minutes with like uh-huh. everything written and planned out but then performing it today i might just you know again say like one or two parts of right. it, or just drop in uh-huh. this little tag or whatever and uh so that's that's just and that's the style that has developed that's interesting. without uh, thinking about our planning it's just what happens in the moment and so I guess that's what they mean by finding your
0: voice uh-huh. when you see how
2: you do it you yeah know, this is like my, this yeah style.
0: that makes sense when you sit down to to work on comedy um, do you actually do you write it out first or do you like talk out loud or you just you think of it and, and then uh, I talk that, out loud yeah,
2: yeah it's, it's a spoken thing
0: you're like I'll pacing around. around your kitchen yeah
2: put in my headphones we'll go for a walk you uh-huh. know I did do a lot of walking writing Mm -hmm. and then i'll typically write things out and have bullet points and you know maybe i'll write it all out if i want to memorize something you know write it but it's just any way to just download that information Mm -hmm. to play around with
0: things i'm a huge fan of walking and and oh it's great for writing i guess i'm not actually writing anything but like i'm walking talk kind of talking to myself and then that's what i call writing (laughs) yeah a passerby walks by and i you know pretend like i'm not talking to myself for a minute and then it's get a nice
2: to, well you know with the headphone you i right? used to have
0: a dog and that was you ideal to the dog yeah i'm like just talking to the dog well if you're
2: talking it to yourself and the, you have <laughs> headphones and nobody even pays attention <laughs> to you that's that true is. that's what i should do is get
0: some headphones oh yeah I'm just <laughs> rave to the stars do you have a joke that you're working on right now that's like in development that's like half formed oh yeah or... you got tons do you want to share one that's that doesn't have a punchline no (laughs) no No. I mean yeah no um so yeah what what stuff do you have planned moving forward what's uh what are you excited about with where you're going with comedy
2: like I said definitely getting out of town that's the main Mm -hmm. thing you know doing comedy in Portland a lot and um yeah it's a very you know every place is is specific and different and the audiences are kind of have a style and maybe and it's just very different playing and if i play in portland you know i'm going to walk out and get a little extra applause because people know who i am maybe and it's very you know easy and fun and friendly and usually anybody i'm performing with is somebody i know and Mm -hmm. it's very much like performing at home so i feel like okay comfortable right now i need to need to get out there and see and see what you know you're you're comedy is going to mean something real different you know in portland than it Mm -hmm. does maybe in uh, another part of the country yeah so getting out of town and out of comfort zones and that that's my main my main thing just i'm looking forward to that
0: i read this quote uh from willamette week where you said i look at reality and seek visions in whatever way i can i want to understand what the world is and what life is um and do you feel like that's kind of what you've been doing in, in these different forms, like through music, oh, yeah. through performance, and, and comedy is just like another... Well, I would say,
2: like, having he- heard that quote, I would say, like, right now in my mind, it's really... Uh, I want to know what I am, you know? It's like, what, what is this? Yeah.
0: Have you gotten any closer to figuring no, that out? No, not really.
2: No. <laughs> no, but that's that's the quest. It's yeah. like, what is, what is, you know, self? I mean, I'm very interested in... Uh, I like the Indian philosopher sage Nisargadatta you know who he is I don't who is he, he wrote the book that was very popular in the 760s uh I am that uh-huh. and he's a practitioner of what's like I guess you'd say he's a practitioner of Advaita Advaita Vedanta okay um,
0: the is, idea of that's a yoga or no
2: nah, well it's a way of looking at uh reality as a
0: as a whole mm. as a um, it's like it's all one thing yeah yeah um Do you practice yoga or meditation or anything? Meditation a little, Mm -hmm. not yoga.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, just the idea that like, I mean, one of his great quotes is, is, um, wisdom is knowing you are nothing. Love Mm -hmm. is knowing you are everything. Wow. You know, and that to me, I go, that's just a perfect little distillation. It's like, obviously this is one thing, Mm -hmm. this reality. And so that's something that I, I mean, it just, yeah, I need to.
0: just a moment of silence there. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I end this one joke, you know, I am the butter. You are the butter between us. There is butter, butter in all directions forever. Uh And it's like the elf butter, you know, that's one of my psychedelic bits. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm,
0: I'm like, that's how I see the world. I go, you know, what is this? It's all one thing. It could be butter. It could be light. It could be whatever. Yeah. Man, that's, yeah, that's awesome. I, I, um, I, I don't have anything to add to to that quote, really. Um, well, let's talk I about. Guess I don't either. Yeah, let's talk about uh, where people can see you and upcoming shows that you that you have. Ooh, um, um, I'm going to be on Amy Miller's show. When is this going to be on? Probably. Great question. Um, gosh not not this month so do you have any ongoing things that people can be checking yeah American comedy is a thing I do with Paul
2: Schlesinger and Milan Patel and Catherine Candor at uh, Holocene typically uh-huh. we do that every other month and um, so that's a thing that you can look at we do a lot
0: of uh, videos and things like that um, you, you put stuff up on a screen and mm-hmm.
2: yeah uh-huh. there's there's all kinds of things we do performance music uh-huh. um, videos and stand-up stuff. And that's a fun show. And then um, at New Deal Distillery, I do a, a series called Comedy and Cocktails that runs um, half the year through the summer. Mm-hmm. So that'll be starting up in probably May.
0: And I, I'm a fan of your Twitter feed as Thank well. Thank you. What, what is it at? At
2: Jason Traeger, my name. At Jason Traeger.
0: Well, thanks so much for being on the show.
2: It's been a delight. Okay. Please say your name.
1: Mohanad Yeah, Al Alsheki. How long have you been doing comedy? I've been doing comedy now for like seven or eight months. What made you start? Uh, well, I always wanted to do comedy. I was, was a big fan back home in Libya, but there was no scenes there. Who were you a fan of? I was a fan of, uh, I love Louis C.K. a lot. I also loved uh, Russell Peters, Trevor Noah. I mean, I know they're new, but I love their style because I feel like I can relate to their styles more. And, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, a few other people, but... these there people Libyan that... stand-up comics? No, they're not. There are zero Libyan stand-up comics.
2: What about uh, stand-up comics in the Arab world that are famous in Libya? Is that...
1: Well, I mean, uh, you, do you mean Arab stand-up comics? Yeah. Yeah, there are a few, there are a few, but most of them are like Arab-American, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, but there are like not so many who like live in the Arab world who doing comedy, except some few people in Lebanon, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Uh, so where were you? Where did you watch comedy? Like where were you seeing like TV specials or videos? Yeah, TV
1: specials and mostly just using YouTube, and mm-hmm. watching Comedy Central videos and stuff like that. Yeah.
2: So when did you come to America?
1: I came to the US in 2014, which is basically like, two years ago. Yeah. And what was your uh, first open mic? My first open mic was at The Lamp. How'd it go? Uh, it went okay. It was okay. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't great, but that's because uh, the venue wasn't that big. And there were many people, yeah.
2: What is the... Um What do you hope to accomplish with stand-up? Do you feel like this is something you're going to pursue?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's... uh, I guess that's one of the few things that are going well for me now. So that's... I would love to pursue it as a a career and continue doing it.
2: You see yourself staying in Portland?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean... I mean, until I uh, get to the point where I can go to another place. But for the next year or two or whatever, I'm going to stay here in Portland. Yeah, I'm not going to leave.
2: What um, does stand-up comedy mean to you? What's what's its role, and what what does it do for you as a person?
1: Well, I mean, I find stand-up comedy is like the only the only way for me uh, to express myself and also to be to be heard, and uh, like it just I just I just feel in control while I'm on stage for like six or seven minutes. I control the room, I can say anything I want and people will listen more to it. Because if, if I try to do it in a, in another venue that's not comedy, people usually do not do not listen that much. But I feel like if you make people laugh they will they will get the message through way easier that way.
2: Do you feel like having that sense of control is repealing because you've been through so many things that have put you sort of out of control like in leaving Ex-
1: the- yeah exactly yeah. yeah exactly and especially like since moving to this country people like especially that I'm a foreigner I come like, from a, a country that's torn by like war and stuff people people always try to make you feel like you're weaker than them by stuff that they say or they just like to take power from you uh,
2: for yeah. what reason or what do you think that's about
1: it's, it's, it's just people' way of uh, to feel better about themselves to like uh, to to find someone who like oh, I'm sure that person uh, had a worse life than me that makes me feel better mo- about myself I don't care about that person if they feel better or not I'll just I'll just do it for me but when I do comedy like no I'm the one in control now I'm the strong one I can I can control stuff I see yeah interesting yeah.
2: what is your favorite what is your favorite place to perform in Portland?
1: Uh, I mean, other than the Helium, of course. Uh, I love performing at the Rusty Nail. It's very supportive there. I really like it. And uh, the Fun House as well. I love the Midnight Mic now. It's, it's just one of my favorite. Yeah, and I mean other places as well, but those are like mainly my favorite now.
2: Have you performed outside of Portland or this or the Northwest?
1: Uh, the only place was the only place I performed outside of Portland was Salem, and I only done, done the contest there, and that's it. Yeah. Yes.
2: Are you looking? Are you planning on doing any road trips or getting out of town?
1: Yeah, of? I. I mean, I. I got offered to do a few, few shows in San Francisco, and I'm. I'm I might wanna. I want to go to Seattle as well. It's just like logistically, I like, just can't. But maybe. Maybe yeah. soon I will do that. Yeah, I'll try. I'm, I'm trying to get outside of Portland and do more stuff there. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, what about festivals? Have you applied for any festivals?
1: I, I yeah, I'm I'm starting to apply now for some festivals. Yeah, see what I can I can get in. Yeah.
2: Nice. What is your um, your different contacts like? What where, are you on Twitter, Instagram?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm on Twitter. Yeah, as uh, Mo ninety one is M O E S A L E H ninety one, and my Instagram name is basically my name, Mohanad dot And we'll have yeah.
2: links to that in the on uh, the website. Um, alright thanks so much for talking to us Mohan you're one of the funniest new comics in Portland for sure it's thank you you're appreciate doing, it yeah my pleasure comedy, my sure.
0: pleasure that's our show I'd like to thank X-Ray FM Studios and special thanks to Sound Guy Extraordinaire Arthur Risotto for recording this episode I'd also like to thank my co-host Jason Traeger our audio engineer Gene Forte of Blue Heron Recording Studio and our producer Brandy Gaudette tune in to future episodes as we talk to people about inspiration, creativity, and mind-expanding ideas on The Magic Hour. It's never a bad trip. trip. Support for X-Ray FM comes from Bridge City Cleveland.